Welcome to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast. I'm Ryan, and today is actually part two of the most recent episode that I did about how I resell items from just my phone. So let's get right into it. Last episode, I talked about how I resell items locally for the most part, um, mostly on Facebook Marketplace, but also on other apps uh, like Nextdoor. And I've also used um, OfferUp and Letgo slightly, but not a whole lot. Um, But this episode, I kind of want to get into the bulk of what I've been doing more or less lately, uh, and that is online, um, or at least selling stuff online and shipping it. Um, whereas I know that even the local stuff I use online in order to sell it, because um, I have to use some sort of platform. I don't just word of mouth sell stuff. I do sometimes, if mostly if it's just my friends, where in that case, I usually... Um, I usually kind of give them like a pretty big discount. It's more or less just, oh, hey, I found this. Do you want it? Um, And I mean, you know, sometimes it's stuff that I've been holding on to for a while and I'll reach out to them and see if they want anything Um, or if they just mention interest in something and I happen to have it. It works out really, really well. Um, So uh, I kind of want to get into just a few notes that I put on here and then I'll kind of move into like exactly what I do, uh, walk you through kind of my eyes when I um, when I go and do this. Um, You know, obviously, I'm going to repeat this as much as I can. I'm not an expert. Um, I'm just learning every single day doing this, um, doing my best um, to try and get better at it. Uh, And it's just something I really, really enjoy. So I kind of want to share it with you guys. Um, And um, if it's something you enjoy, then I hope it kind of inspires you to get up and go and do it. Um, So let's see where I'm at here. So um, basically, this one is just going to be talking about sourcing stuff, um, from wherever. So, I mean, that can be, that can even be on like Facebook marketplace or something. If I think I can resell it online, um, on eBay, let's say for instance, um, but, uh, that could also mean going to discount stores such as Burlington and Marshall's. Those are, are like the two big ones around here, uh, that I'll use. I know Ross is a big one, uh, in other States, but we don't have a whole lot of those around here. If any, I don't know that there's any in Michigan. Uh, so I, I see a lot of stuff on Instagram, um, and on YouTube about people going to Ross and doing really, really well. Uh, unfortunately around me, it's not a thing, but if it is, um, yeah, don't take that for granted. I mean, I've heard lots of really, really good stuff about Ross, but another place that, uh, I did spend a lot of time in, um, probably about a year and a half ago, uh, was actually a Nike outlet store. So at the time it was a, it was considered a Nike factory store. Now it is actually different. It's called a clearance store. Uh, at the time, because it was a factory store, there was shoes that were on display for like normal sale. And then there was also shoes with the box top cut off, uh, that were placed on the side as clearance shoes. So the idea is, is that those clearance shoes were already marked down and then on the weekends they would mark it down even further. So I'd always go on the weekends to get, um, you know, shoes with the boxes messed up because, you know, I care about that and it is value. Uh, but sometimes it just doesn't go that way. And if it's that much cheaper, uh, you can usually make your money out of it. So 
I used to go there a lot uh, early on when I was uh, when I kind of I started to I moved to college actually like I moved into a dorm room uh, and I was a lot closer to one uh, and you know it was five minutes away so it was might as well go and uh, go and check it out and try it I had heard a lot of really really good stuff about Nike outlets. And I actually had a lot of success, and I'll get more into into what I did um, when I went there. Uh, it it kind of dropped off for me, so I had a lot of success in the first couple of months that I was doing it, uh, and then all of a sudden I really really struggled to find products, so to find shoes that I could actually sell. Uh, the difference now between the clearance store that Nike is now um, at that mall is that you cannot return shoes. So as soon as you buy them, they are final sale. Whereas when I was doing it earlier and it was a factory store, you had 30 days to return it. Same kind of deal with Marshalls and Burlington, where if you didn't sell an item, you could return it. So that was a pretty big deal for me early on because it it allowed me to kind of not take risks, I guess. because, you know, I pay $30 for a pair of shoes, and if they don't sell, I'll get my money back at least. Granted, I'll pay the gas and stuff and my time in order to uh, go back there um, and the gas to do it in the first place. But at least I get, you know, most of my money recouped out of it if it doesn't sell. So that's kind of the idea. Whereas that, you know, when you go to thrift stores and stuff, which I'm also going to talk about here, I... Uh, you can't return stuff. So like, let's, you know, let's say you buy a $10 item and it never sells. Um, you're kind of out $10. I mean, it's not that much. So that's kind of the nice thing. The other thing that's great about thrift stores is, is that the, the margin is way higher because you can find gems, uh, you know, tons of people find gems all the time at thrift stores that, you know, you pay $5 for and you can get a hundred, two hundred $200 for. Um, whereas at, at Burlington and Marshalls or even the Nike outlet, you're not going to find stuff like that. Um, normally it's like consistent profits of, you know, buy a $40 shoe, make 20 to $30. Uh, and I mean, you know, you can buy four or five shoes and make quite a bit of money from there, but the investment tends to be high compared to what you're actually going to make there. Uh, just a fair warning. Uh, so I'm going to keep moving on in my notes here. You may be asking, uh, how do I provide value when I resell? Or how does anyone provide value when they resell? Uh, because I get I get this question actually a lot. Um, and I don't want to say that it's people hating. I think it's just people don't understand it. Uh, and the big thing is, is that like people think that we're scamming people by buying things and selling them to other people for a higher price. Um, and the reason I know for a fact it's not scamming is, is that the person buying those shoes from me can go and buy those shoes at the price that I paid. That's the biggest thing. And I know I'm just saying shoes, but you know, this works for like clothing items. This works for literally anything. Um, like even on Facebook, what I was talking about last episode, uh, if you, so like, let's say I buy a Keurig machine for $20, uh, and, and resell it for 50, I'm not ripping the person off that I resold it to. It's just that I decided that I wanted to dig for a crappy listing, uh, and, you know, haggle the price and get the item, clean it, do all that stuff. And even with new items, you won't, 
necessarily need to clean new items, but you still have to list them. Um, you're bringing them to an entirely new market. I mean, the people that go on eBay to look for stuff, um, you know, to look for, you know, let's say some pair of Air Force Ones, uh, the people that go on eBay or Goat, which is another uh, sneaker and streetwear uh, reselling site, or even StockX too, uh, people that go on there are not looking to like, you know, dig for those shoes. They're looking to get convenience and they're willing to pay a little bit extra for it. So that's where, that's where I, I get, I, you know, I tend to get confused when people ask that. Cause I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? But I understand where they're coming from. Um, because they, they think, you know, quickly that, oh, I'm buying shoes uh, and selling them for more to people. So I'm automatically ripping them off. But that is not even close to the case. Uh, we are not ripping people off. We're actually bringing an item to a new market. Uh, it's just like any other form of business. I mean, that that's where I just, you know, I end up needing to explain it to people uh, that just I mean, they don't know what we're doing. So um, if you got to explain it, that's how it rolls. Um, but uh, that's kind of my best my best explanation of how we're providing value is is we're doing the dirty work that people don't want to do. And they're willing to pay a little bit extra money for those items uh, when they don't have to do the dirty work. Uh, so uh, let me go over to my notes real quick. I want to see what else I was planning on. Um yeah, I mean, this is kind of just like a reiteration of it. I, you know, I understand that people can go to the store and get that item for less, but the sheer fact that they didn't and they won't um, means that they're willing to pay more for that item. Um, you know, how do we make money? Uh, we do stuff that people don't want to do, uh, like going to the store to find a specific shoe that they may easily find online. So um, I think there is a lot of value to be provided here. Um, and I think this is really, really important uh, to understand before you go and do this. Because you don't want to just just do business because it makes money. Um, I know there's a lot of people in it for that. And I know this is one of the, like, the big kind of straightforward things that people talk about a lot is, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing something for money. Obviously money is an aspect in everything. Uh, so it needs to be considered, you know, pretty much at all times. Um, but, uh, really the focus here should be that in order to make money, you need to provide some sort of value. That's not going to just come for free. Um, you know, winning the lottery is not making money. It's getting, getting money from winning the lottery. Um, and I mean, you did put up some money for that, I guess. But uh, the way I'm kind of trying to say it is, is that in order to make money, you need to provide some sort of value to customers, to people. Um, and that's how you're going to be successful in reselling. So I'm going to stop by, you know, talking about my notes here that I've got down in value. Uh, and I'm actually going to kind of roll into what I do when I resell. Um, so basically, I, there's, you know, there's obviously different sections and different places, uh, that I'll go different types of reselling. Um, 
I'm going to start kind of from from the from the shoes uh, and kind of move up from there. This is just more chronological for me because um, I kind of transitioned from from local stuff into into online stuff using shoes. Uh, so that was kind of a big step for me. Now I actually don't do a whole lot of shoes, uh, and lately I've really just kind of dialed back on flipping, um, which I will do another episode about. I think um, about you know, kind of being in a, in a rut, uh, but it's more or less from, I think it's from the holidays. There's just a lot going on, uh, that I've got. So I just haven't been, I haven't been doing much lately. Um, by lately, I mean in the last three weeks ish. Um, so basically what I'll do, uh, for Nike outlet stores, uh, and, and you can, you can do this at other, other brand stores. So, so like Adidas as well, I've walked through the Adidas store and it didn't seem like there was much to resell necessarily. Nike tends to be the best, uh, for me at least brand to resell. Uh, it just, you know, maybe it's the most popular shoe brand. Maybe that's why. Um, I, I mean, I know it's the most popular shoe brand. I think it is. Uh, but Nike's always been, always been good to me for reselling. So basically, uh, freshman or no, Sophomore year of college, I moved into a dorm room uh, and actually with a friend decided that I wanted to start reselling shoes. We kind of did it together for a little while and then realized it didn't make a whole lot of sense for us to both be doing it together and then splitting the profits. It was just there was not enough money to be made there. Uh, So we kind of branched off. Uh, he, he ended up actually, I think picking up a few pallets of stuff that had a lot of shoes in it. Uh, I actually went the other way and just started, you know, going to Marshall's Burlington and Nike outlet, uh, to pick up shoes to resell individually. Uh, and so basically what I'll do, uh, is I'll download a few different apps here. Uh, so I'm actually going to pull out my phone real quick. Um, I've got like a specific reselling, uh, you know, group of apps, uh, and the main three apps that I'll download for for shoe reselling, uh, especially at a place like Nike Outlet, is going to be eBay for one. Uh, Goat is another great one. I know there's a lot of other apps as well, uh, but StockX is going to be my number three. Those are the three apps that I'll tend to use. But honestly, I use Goat and eBay for the most part. StockX isn't the best. Uh, StockX is a lot better for higher end uh, shoes that had a lot of heat behind them. Um, Maybe they dropped and sold out. Whereas what I was doing at the outlet was more or less picking up shoes that that was wanted um, slightly more, uh, you know, at a slightly higher price online than it was in store. Um, So, you know, obviously I don't pick up shoes that people don't care about, but I do pick up uh, stuff that's not necessarily on the crazy high end. So what I'll do is I'll actually walk, you know, I'll walk in the store lately. They've been having lines outside because they don't want as many people in, which makes sense. But usually I would beeline for the clearance uh, corner. However, as of lately, um, there's not a clearance corner. It's all clearance. But I have also had success with just normal display shoes as well. 
but basically I'll just look through the clearance section I usually stay away from the really really low uh, size and the really really high size I usually kind of try and stick in the middle there but uh, if I'm not finding anything I'm obviously gonna look in those size ranges as well uh, it would be stupid to not so basically it's kind of something that you have to go and do first uh, before you can really understand which shoes are gonna are gonna resell or not what you do have to do kind of early on and there's gonna be a lot of grinding involved with this um, you're gonna have to literally look at shoes that you think are maybe cool or maybe worth more than the price and you're just gonna have to look them up uh, what you can do is there's actually a little uh, there's a there's a I don't even know how many digits it is, and I probably should have done this research beforehand. I don't even know what the name is, but it's a code that's on the shoe box that's usually in in decent sized letters that you can enter in GOAT uh, and find out exactly which shoe it is, what model and everything. Then you can find out if it resells on GOAT. Uh, what you'll want to do is if the box is uh, like the lids cut off, which a lot of them are, you will have to make sure you click through uh, and say that it is uh, missing a lid. But when you go into the GOAT app and you search a pair of shoes, what you can do, and I'm actually going to do it right now. Um, this is actually like the first thing that showed up. So this Jordan 11 Adapt White. Um, I'm going to go scroll down a little bit and it'll show you sell own or share uh, if you click sell you know it's not going to force you to sell it right away so don't worry about that what you want to do is you want to find what size that shoe is in front of you you'll click that size i'm going to click uh, size nine uh, i'm going to say the sneakers in new condition i'm going to click next then from there, um, it'll give you the condition of the box, which you have to put on there. If the box is is completed and in good condition, that's awesome. You click that. But for the most part, this is going to be missing lid. Uh, if the box is completely wrecked, um, I would probably click no original box. I've never clicked damaged box, um, but I'd probably do no, no original. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and click missing lid here. Um, go to the next, and then it'll just ask if there's any issues with the shoes and if if it's brand new it, there shouldn't be um from there it's actually giving me you know not much information mostly because i put that the missing lid is on there which that's where goat is really really nice for getting a gauge of uh of like what shoe it is what price it's going for new but then from there you may want to check ebay as well because if there's not a whole lot of sold uh listings on goat for like a missing box or a missing lid um it might not be the best idea whereas if i go back here and click uh, on good condition box and go to next and then no defects there's a ton of uh sold listings so there's a ton of prices that they went for i mean this shoe is like crazy expensive so like we're looking at you know as recent as what that was like yesterday or even today no that was today uh, 960 dollars so um you know, you're not going to see that on these shoes that, that you're reselling at Nike Outlet. However, uh, you'll be able to see what prices that the shoes sold for more recently and kind of go from there. I've actually had a lot of luck selling on GOAT. Um, my seller rating's pretty high. I think I'm at like 115 or something crazy. Uh, 120 actually. 
I don't know that I'm really going to get any benefits out of that other than listing multiple sizes of the same shoe. But uh, that's a really, really great app to use. From there, you can also go onto eBay. Like I said on the last uh, video or the last podcast episode, don't know why I'm calling it a video, but uh, you'll want to go into eBay and you can click search. Um, and what you can actually do from here is there's a camera icon and you can take a photo of that barcode that's on the box. Uh, if not, you can enter in that same code or using goat, you can enter in a description of the item. Then from there, obviously you'll want to filter it out for sold and completed listings. Then you'll be able to see what the item sold for uh, and kind of go from there on whether or not you actually want to purchase it. I the the margin that you want is totally going to depend on you. Um, I you know early on I was much more okay with making ten dollars on a shoe that I paid thirty dollars for, and now I know that I can find other stuff that's a little bit you know going to be a little bit better performing. So I kind of leave those items there. But you know obviously if you're going expecting to find stuff and you find almost nothing and there's only things with super low margin, I uh, you know it is still $10 that you wouldn't make uh, without getting that. So I mean if you know that you you know you're pretty pretty confident that you're going to get that, it's almost like a may as well at that point uh, at least in my opinion, but I know some people don't agree with that. Some people are really, really strict on on how much they're going to allow themselves, you know, to make. They want to make more uh, margin or more profit or however you want to call it. Uh, So I don't know. I mean, that's really up to you. And I think you should really go uh, sit down, try it uh, and kind of get a feel for yourself. Uh, I brought a friend. to you know to this mall to go look at a few different places and um and it was interesting and i think it's actually a good idea to bring someone that that you know that maybe has done this before um because i think i kind of saved him a lot of the the looking up of shoes because you know there's a lot of shoes like if you don't do this all the time you may think that a certain shoe is worth a ton of money when it's really not and you end up spending you know 20 minutes looking up 20 shoes or whatever that that were worth nothing and you waste a bunch of time you know however i think this is you know this is a necessary step to go past because then you know what shoes will sell and what won't but having someone there with you that knows what's up is always a good idea i'm always going to recommend it Uh, but basically once you find a shoe there that you want to buy um you pick it up and go ring it up at the register. I do recommend also getting the Nike app. Uh, so just that general Nike app, you can get like a pass uh, and it's a barcode that they'll scan at the register. Gives you rewards. I've gotten multiple like 25% off discounts from them. You do have to pay attention to the store that they say. Sometimes they'll say, you know, 25% off factory outlet. Sometimes they'll say 25% off clearance. So totally depends on the store. But you know, worst case scenario, you show it to the regis- to the um, uh, the cashier that's ringing you out, and they say no, you can't use this, or you can, or whatever. But you're gonna get points either way, so that's really really nice. Um, and if you can return it, that's awesome. Make sure you bring the re- or you take the receipt and you keep that safe. Uh, if you can't return it. Well, that's unfortunate, and um, that receipt's not going to do you much good. So, um, so yeah, from there, uh, you know, I pick up the shoe. 
Now I'm going to kind of shift over to Burlington and Marshalls. Um, at the mall that I go to, there there's a Burlington and a Marshalls as well inside of the mall. So I will head over there. Um, usually I'll hit like Marshalls first. In the past, I haven't had good experiences with that Marshalls. I've had better experiences with ones near my house, so it just depends. But I've, I've had a few times where I picked up multiple things and they've worked out well. That was actually the Marshalls that uh, I resold a couple of pairs of underwear from. Um, I just decided, you know what, let's try this. Uh, I didn't make a whole lot of money off of it, but it's cool to say that like I resold some underwear, right? Um, maybe it's not cool, I don't know, but I think it's pretty cool. So I'll go in there, same kind of deal as the Nike outlet. Usually I beeline for the shoes uh, and then I'll kind of look around for other stuff, but there's not a ton of other things that, that I like to resell at Marshalls other than shoes. So I usually beeline over there. Um, and same deal as Nike, I look through, um, except you know I'll, I'll use, um, actually no, I'll use Goat and, and eBay just about the same. Um, obviously there's no real reason to use any sort of Nike app or anything because you'll be you know, you'll be getting either Nike shoes, Adidas, um, maybe some other brands too, but those are the two that I mainly stick to. Um, and, and they usually do the best. Uh, after that, I will move over to Burlington. That's where there's a little bit more stuff. Um, there is a little bit more at Burlington to resell other than just shoes. However, I will say there's always no boxes on the shoes so you do have to go in expecting that you might find a gem but they're never going to have a box that's just how it is so it's a little bit more difficult to look up shoes in burlington uh usually you have to open up the shoe and kind of look for that uh, size tag and that'll actually have that code on it a lot of the times but sometimes you just have to describe the name of the shoe uh to the to ebay or whatever you're doing um, in order to figure out the value of it but uh, I've had some luck at Burlington, not a, not a ton. I, I wouldn't say it's a honey hole necessarily, uh, but um, I've actually had good luck selling other stuff at Burlington. So more recently, uh, the Mountain Hardware coats, um, they, you know, obviously it's Burlington Coat Factory. So every winter they'll, they'll restock their coats and it's a ridiculous amount of coats that they put out there. Um, and there's a lot of people online that want the Mountain Hardware coats, um, for a discount from what they are priced at normally, which is like 300 to 50 ish, uh, which is pretty expensive for a coat, but they're really, really nice. Um, and Burlington puts them up for 40 to $60. So I probably picked up like four or five of those and sold all of them. Uh, maybe six of them. I think I did six of them uh, this winter. So that was really, really cool. That was a nice, uh, you know, some nice flips. I think I, I probably made like... 30 or $40 on each coat, um, which, you know, isn't a ton, but, but it's plenty for me. You know, I'm, I'm totally good with that. Um, I got them out really, really quickly as well. They didn't sit around for a long time. So that was really, really cool. Uh, so at Burlington, I would look for other stuff other than just shoes, but also be weary of the season that you're in and the location that you're at. Um, you know, in Michigan, it, it obviously gets 
pretty darn cold. Um, not terribly, but enough to want a really nice winter coat. Um, and when those come out and they're pretty cheap, I'm going to pick them up. Uh, but, you know, shoes are also all right at Burlington. There's also other stuff too. I mean, I, I have friends that have picked up, uh, you know, small appliances like, uh, like I think like a bread maker or something like that um, at Burlington because they have some crazy discounts on certain things. Um, so I would just just look around, see what works for you, um, but definitely use your phone as a tool. I mean, don't don't just buy stuff willy-nilly and then hope that it sells and then return it if it doesn't. Um, use your phone as a tool, uh, then go from there on whether or not, you know, an item sells. Um, that's, that's what I always do. This phone is like the most brilliant thing on the planet. Um, and it is so helpful as a tool. I can't imagine reselling 20 years ago when you didn't have a smartphone with you because you just have to buy things that you think are worth money and then, you know, either throw them up on like a Craigslist or something like that and try and sell them. It, it's just, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Whereas now, I mean, this, this is awesome and, and amazing technology is all I got to say. So uh, from there, you know, I purchase things. I'll always keep the receipts uh, because it is a 30 day return policy, which, you know, you got to make sure that you, you use too. I mean, it, more recently, I've been actually trying to force myself to not return stuff so that I can push to sell things. But um, there are things that I wish I returned three months ago because they haven't sold. So that's uh, it's something that I think you should utilize a lot early on in flipping um, just to test the waters, see what works and what doesn't. I mean, this is a huge opportunity. Like you can't you can't buy a stock and then if it goes down, sell it back at the price that you paid for it. Like that's just not how it works. Um, and I think that this is a big opportunity to learn what resells, what doesn't, what people want, what people don't want. I think this is a really, really important factor in all this. Um, so from there, I get the items home. Usually I'm kind of on a time crunch, so I'll just leave them at home and then I'll list them later. But uh, you always want to make sure you take good photos. I know early on, um, if you don't have a huge budget, obviously, um, or if you're just flipping from scratch, uh, you're not going to have like a whole lot of money to make like a Lightroom or something. But something I would definitely recommend, uh, especially if you're selling shoes, is two pieces of white poster board. Um, it, it actually makes your photos look really, really good um, comparatively because what you can do is you can set one on the ground, one against the wall, and so long as you have a pretty decent light source from above or from the side or or from behind you or something like that, you can sit down on the ground and take really, really nice looking photos with a white background um, and they tend to look really good uh, just using that poster board and it probably costs, I mean, you go to the dollar store and get $2. Uh, they might even be cheaper there too. So that's one thing I would certainly recommend because people people tend to trust better photos uh, than they will uh, crappier photos. However, I don't think I would take stock photos from the internet of that item and, and do that. I've tried it. It never worked for me. So my best recommendation is to take quality photos yourself um, so that it gives people a sense of, of reality, but at the same time uh, that you actually care about what you're selling. So I think that's really, really important. Um, 
you know, with bigger items, I've struggled to take photos. So, so a lot of times it's just an understanding that, that, you know, I'm not going to be able to find a great place to do it. Um, I actually started more recently taking photos of the coats on my bed. Uh, I was able to, you know, make my bed look decent and then take the photo so that it doesn't really look like it's on my bed so that the photos look a little bit better. Um, there's just a lot of creativity that goes into taking these photos. Um, so I, I just, and I mean, it's the same as the last episode I was talking about. Uh, you know, you got to make sure the listing's pretty good. Um, same as what I said in the last episode, by the way, if you haven't watched the last episode, like please do, uh, before this one or after this one, uh, it's just going to be, you know, focusing on local stuff, but it kind of sets a lot of the, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about now, like into fruition, I guess you call it. Uh, so same as the last one, uh, you're going to want to, you know, make a title that's going to be, uh, I guess the most optimized, you want to make sure that people see your item. Uh, you know, I've played around with this a lot and I'm not like, I'm far from perfect with having good titles and I need to do a lot more learning with this. So I'm not even really going to give, you know, necessarily advice on titles, but try and be, you know, same as I said on, on Facebook, cause Facebook's getting more, um, more, I guess like search engine optimized. Uh, you want to make sure that, that it describes your item, but also, you know, makes people click on it. Uh, that's really the big thing. And when they go and search like a, an, a word like mountain hardware, uh, your item should, should show up. Um, it shouldn't not show up for whatever reason. So that's kind of the big thing that, that I'm going to say, but I don't really have a whole lot of specifics. Um, I, you know, I'm still learning how to, how to title things correctly in the description. I just try and like I said on Facebook, describe the item as much as I possibly can. Um, I'll put what shipping program I'm doing, even though it says it, uh, I always just, it, the default always does that. And I like to keep it in there. Um, and then depending on the item, sometimes I'll say like, let me know if you have any questions but not always. Um, but you just want to make sure you describe it as much as you can so that buyers feel comfortable when they read it. Um, you know, obviously you just want to make sure your grammar's fine. Uh, you don't want to be spelling things wrong because people don't people like spelling things wrong. People don't trust that. Um, there's certain grammar, like, I mean, there's not a whole lot of grammar mistakes you can make in a description. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue. However, if you're spelling stuff wrong, um, people aren't going to, people aren't going to feel trusting to that. Um, so, uh, from there, you're going to go ahead and list it. You can either list it on your phone or you can do it on a computer. Um, obviously this episode talks about doing it on your phone. So, um, I should walk you through it on the phone and I'll actually do that right now. So it, it, for me, it tends to be slightly easier on my laptop, but it's, it's certainly not a difficult thing to do on your phone. Literally. So you download that eBay app and everything. What you want to do is you want to go over to selling, um, and literally just click list an item. I know I'm saying literally a lot, but this is important. Uh, you go and list an item, you'll, an item, you'll click that you can describe it or you can take like a barcode photo of, uh, if you've got a barcode. So let's see, what do I want to list? Um, this is right here. I'm going to try this. Um, 
I have been eating these things called bottle caps. I don't know if you guys have ever had them. It's a candy that I grew up eating when I was a child. Um, and I just bought them at the store the other day. So I'm going to go ahead and scan that barcode, see if I can get, uh, get it to show up. But it doesn't look like it's showing up. Nope. Um, all right. I'm going to see if I can find like another item um, that I can scan up here. I'm actually going to do this uh, Aveeno Daily Moisturizer. It works great. Sort of. There we go. All right, so I was able to get that to scan up, um, and then it'll kind of show up on on what you want to list. So I'll go ahead and click that, and you can you can go ahead and just click sell yours. Um, you know, you want to say whether the item's new with the box or without. I'm gonna say new with box. Then from there, it actually gives you all of the stuff to, to sell it. So like, you don't even have to put in anything. It's incredible. Um, you know, obviously you want to take your own photos and stuff and change the title depending upon your item. And you just want to make sure that all of the item specifics are actually correct because if they're not, that's obviously an issue. Um, from there, you know, you want to make sure the description's correct, but I usually edit that to make sure I put a little bit more uh, juice in that description. And then you can just do the pricing policy. I wouldn't recommend auctions for most things. I've sold a lot of disc golf discs on auctions, and they actually sell better that way um, than not. But I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of things. I would just price it at what, you know, what you're you want to sell at maybe a little bit higher uh depending because people are going to send you offers uh but then you can do you know you can price out you know the maximum offer that you'll accept um, or the minimum offer you'll accept and kind of go from there then you'll put in um, delivery method and all that kind of stuff, the size of the item, um, the weight and stuff. I, I will say I've never actually weighed an item that I've shipped. It's always been fine. It's all worked out because I can usually guess it pretty well. But if you do have a scale, like a smaller scale at home, I it wouldn't be a bad idea just to weigh it. Um, and then just preferences for payment methods and stuff like that. That's where you are going to want to make sure that you have a PayPal setup. So definitely go into PayPal, um, set one up. It's really, really important. It's the only way that you're going to be able to really accept uh, payments. Um, so definitely do that. And from there, uh, you just want to go ahead and click list your item. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and do it right now because I would rather not list this uh, half-used uh, Aveeno moisturizer, but uh, you'll go ahead and list your item. It'll ask you a series of questions, uh, and one of them is going to be whether or not you want to uh, like advertise your product, so promote it, I think they call it, um, and that's a good question. I've done it on many products, more or less because I know that they may not be super popularly searched, so I'm willing to give up a few more percentage, um, uh, like fee points, I guess. you. I, I don't know how you want to call it, but I'm willing to give up a few more dollars um, to get my item looked at more. Uh, so that's up to you. Uh, it's something that you can try out. You can always list it without it and then add it later. 
this is all stuff that's that are options um, and you know I, I don't want to make eBay sound like the easiest thing on the planet because it's not and there's a lot of things involved and I should probably make an episode about just stuff I've struggled with with eBay uh, right now we're <laughs> we're pretty far into this one so I don't want to go into all of those details but I will say just straightforward um, it's not all sunshines and rainbows um, it, it's it's going to take hard work. There's a lot of things that you have to mess around with. Um, right now I'm messing around with uh, a bike that I've been trying to sell that has sold multiple times on eBay, but the buyer did not pay the first time. And then the second buyer did not pay either. So I've had to deal with, uh, with doing a, a non-paying claim, uh, getting my fee credit back, but they didn't give it to me the first or this second time. So I ended up paying a ton of fees that uh, I, I don't actually owe, so I'm, I'm in the process of getting those uh, recredited, and it's just a whole thing, but, um, you know, I will say it, it doesn't take... It doesn't take a whole lot to get into it, um, but I, you know, I will say that there's stuff involved that you have to deal with, and you have to be prepared uh, to deal with it. And um, you know, that's how it is. And the next thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, or just elaborate on, is actually the managing uh, of your items that are already listed, uh, and you know when you sell them and ship them. So, uh, what I do, which I I don't know that is a great system. Uh, it's not really even a system, but when I manage my stuff, um, I tend to check it every couple of days if I don't get any sort of notifications. But if I do get a notification, uh, I I'm pretty on it. Um, like as soon as I get that notification, I'm going to check it. Cause I just get, I get excited when I sell stuff. I mean, it's kind of exciting, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty quick on that. I know I've seen a lot of YouTubers that will do, you know, they're scaled up enough to the point where them constantly checking their eBay wastes some time in their workday. So they kind of plan out times throughout the day that they go and check and, uh, answer, you know, people that threw in offers, um, or, you know, do the whole sale process and everything. Um, it's not too difficult once you get a sale, uh, to go through it. Um, with offers, it's also not difficult either. It's pretty straightforward and you can kind of follow along with, um, with what they tell you to do on the app and everything. So it'll just say that you have a new offer and you can click on it and you can decide whether or not you want to actually accept that offer or if you want to, you know, counter offer them or, I mean, you can decline it as well. I don't recommend declining offers unless it's like a, a, a ridiculous one, but there shouldn't be any ridiculous offers because you can set the, the minimum price um, for an offer in the listing. So I would just recommend throwing people counter offers. Um, you know, if you're pretty firm on price, then you probably shouldn't have done, done an offer in the first place. Uh, but it's just a, it's a good idea to throw someone a counter offer. I'll change my my um, plan for how I'm gonna counter offer stuff or what I'm gonna accept uh, based upon the item where I got it. Uh, if it's an item that I can return, I'm probably gonna counter offer and accept a little bit of a lower price because I'm either gonna you know I'm either gonna sell it for that price or I'm gonna return it so I would rather sell it and get a little bit of money out of it but that does depend on when you know when I got it if it's getting close to that 30-day mark and I think I'm gonna return it uh, that's when I'll I'll accept a lower offer and be good with it but 
thrift store stuff, I usually try and be a little firm with it, um, or at least uh, not quite as generous when I do counter offers there. Um, and there's probably a lot of people that would say that I'm a little bit too generous with it. I just like to get the sale. Um, I'm I, I would much rather sell something in in two weeks for five dollars less um, than than hold on it for hold on to it for an extra month or so and and sell it for a little bit more. So that's just how I feel about it. Um, again, I think I need a better system of, you know, looking at eBay sales, looking at all that kind of stuff so that I can uh, kind of focus on what I'm doing and not get distracted constantly. But uh, I'm still learning. We all are. Um, I am definitely not an expert here. So uh, I'm just trying to talk about what I do. So um, from there, uh, getting a sale. Once you get the sale through, um, what'll happen is, is that I guess one of two things can happen. So someone buys it and they don't pay for it yet. And then you wait for payment. Um, on this same side of things, if you accept an offer, you'll also have to wait for them to pay for it. Uh, it it's not immediate and right away. However, if it's like Facebook or something, uh, if someone sends you an offer of a shipped item on Facebook, um, they actually already have to like enter in all their payment information uh, in order to submit the offer. So as soon as you accept it, uh, it's already paid for. So that's kind of cool there. But eBay does not work like that. And I've actually run into a lot of issues with eBay because of that. Um, is that people can just throw offers willy-nilly without any sort of real backing to them. Um, people can also buy stuff willy-nilly without any sort of backing to them. So you just have to be careful. Make sure that the that you do get payment uh, before you do anything, before you even think about packaging it up and shipping it, because I've had so many products that people buy and don't pay for. Like I said earlier, uh, my bike that I'm trying to sell, which isn't even a flip, it's just it's my personal bike. Um, I've had multiple buyers buy it and not pay for it. Uh, and that is, that's like $250 in fees that I have to, uh, submit a claim for, get my fees, uh, fee credited, um, and, and get that back. And I actually ran into an issue because it was on, it was on one month's, um, you know, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It was, it was tracked during December, um, and I got my December invoice, um, and that was on it. And so they charged me for it, but I'm still getting my fee credited. So it's a mess, I, I will say, definitely. Um, so don't even bother doing anything unless someone actually pays for the item. Uh, from there, uh, eBay tells you how long you have. I think it's like three business days or something, so it's quite a while. I try and do it a lot quicker than that, uh, just because I want the customer who bought it just to be to get their item quicker. I I, I like doing business that way. So I, I would recommend, you know, as soon as you can uh, pack it up and ship it. But, you know, if you have to wait that full time, you do have the full time to wait. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have gotten some messages like if I because uh, it is a little bit weird getting a sale. Let's say it's like a Thursday night. And technically, if it, technically, if it's Thursday night, you have until Monday to ship out uh, because because. I mean, you can ship out on Saturday as well, um, but because it's Thursday night, Thursday doesn't count because you wouldn't be able to ship it out on Thursday anyways. 
So you'd have Friday, Saturday, and then Monday. Um, and I don't even know if they count Saturday either. So, but, but I have had, I've had customers like buy on Thursday and then reach out on Sunday and say, Hey, why isn't my item shipped out? And I'm like, well, I, I do have this time to do it, but, um, it's just better off if you can to, to ship it as soon as you can. Uh, it's just good business. I, I would say, um, you know, totally up to you. I know some people probably don't follow that. Um, I know, you know, there's some YouTubers that plan out when they're going to ship stuff out because they have such consistent sales. So maybe every, every two days they'll ship stuff out. I don't know exactly how that works. And, you know, hopefully it's something that I have to plan for eventually, but at the moment, um, I just ship things out as they sell. Um, and it's, it's, pretty simple and easy. So what you want to do after you get payment and everything, that's when you want to go in and purchase the shipping label, which there is a button for. It's super easy to do. You just want to make sure you enter in the dimensions of the box or the the bubble mailer or whatever that you're shipping in. Um, and you do have to enter in the weight as well. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier. I guess the weight on every single one of my packages and it's never been an issue. Uh, but if that is is an issue maybe you know investing in like a cheap scale uh, that you can put the package on and weigh it isn't a bad idea i know at uh, at the bike shop we have a small scale that we'll use to put packages on uh, if we're shipping stuff out so you know it, it just depends on how good you are at guessing i guess uh, i i did a lot of goat selling early on and uh uh not selling goats, but selling on goat. And they would send a, a shipping label that was just kind of generic and it was like up to three pounds. And so when I drop off the package, I'd see them weigh it. Uh, and I knew that a lot of the, a lot of the shoe boxes in kind of a middle, middle range size. So like, we'll say like a nine ish, I uh, were like right around two pounds in the, in the extra cardboard box on the outside as well. Um, so I was kind of able to like gauge my shoes based upon that. So I know how much they're going to weigh. Also, um, eBay actually does do a pretty good job at guessing what the weight and dimensions are going to be uh, from other sales. So they just collect data from other uh, sellers that, that have purchased labels for those items. And so they can guess pretty well. And it's never really been an issue. I mean, even if the weight exceeds it a little bit, so long as it's not a lot, it's probably fine. Um, I... I maybe have heard of one person that had a had something sent back to them because of it, um, but usually it's other stuff that they're nitpicky about and not not like the weight and size and stuff. The the size of the box you can measure pretty easily. I mean, just get a ruler out or a tape measure or whatever. Um, but from there, I like to I package accordingly depending on the item. You know, obviously if it's like a jacket, uh, it doesn't need to be like bubble wrapped or anything, but I will put, uh, like some tissue paper in the box there, um, just on top of the coat. I just like to do that. Maybe as like a first line of defense. If someone goes crazy with a knife or something and tries to cut it open, um, so that, that's usually what I'll do. But with shoes, I'll, I'll add a little bit more. And then, you know, obviously with more uh, fragile stuff, I'll add more um, packing stuff as well. Um, I originally was getting a lot of my stuff at Walmart that I was using to package with. Um, 
at the shop we actually get because we get so many packages and bikes in we have a lot of packing materials um so it's nice to you know be able to just grab some stuff if i need it same with boxes too um you know walmart's a place you can get boxes but i don't know that i would recommend doing it all the time um it just gets expensive and kind of stupid um if you don't have access to, to cardboard boxes or just like used ones either, um, I know I, I had an account at Supply Den and they were pretty good. It was pretty cheap, like 10 cents a box or something. So um, if you start to do like a lot more sales, maybe getting an account there would be nice. It's a free account. It's, it's actually really, really easy to work with. Um, they're really, really cool over there. So, you know, it's something that I would certainly recommend. Uh, doing if you need to but obviously if you have access to to boxes um without doing that i mean go and do that uh but basically once you've got it packaged up and everything with the uh with the shipping label on the top um you just want to drop it off at at if you're using usps uh your local usps you know post office or you can have someone pick it up um i've had issues with people picking it up sometimes like that that item doesn't get checked in at all um so there's no tracking on it and so you know customers think their item gets lost and it's a whole thing so i would probably recommend just trying to drop it off and see if your local post office uh, allows you to just leave it there uh, a lot of times they'll have like a specific spot that you can just leave prepaid packages because they don't need any sort of check-in process at all so uh, a lot of times they'll have that spot set aside. Uh, one of ours has like a drop box that you can drop the packages in. So, um, so, you know, that's, that's certainly something I would, I would recommend trying to go to the one that allows you to drop it instead of waiting in line. Cause that's super annoying. Um, but after that, I mean, if it's your first few sales, you'll probably have to wait a while cause eBay, uh, eBay has to like verify and everything and then they'll eventually release your funds. I don't remember the time frame, but you'll get them eventually so long as you, you know your package gets to the customer and everything. That's more or less what they're worried about is just scamming. So they just want to make sure that the package does get to the customer uh, before they release your funds. Um and I mean, now me as a seller, I get my funds immediately as soon as it sells just because I'm, I'm rated and, and they're not worried about it. Uh, but just fair warning, if it's your first time doing this or it's your first couple times, they will hold on to your, your funds for a little while and it's not a big deal at all. You'll see it in your PayPal account. They'll say, you know, funds on hold uh, by eBay. Um, so it's, it's really not, not too big of a deal, but I mean, from there, I'm, you get the money in your PayPal account, you can transfer it to a bank account or whatever, or leave it there. Totally up to you. Um, but that's pretty much the process you're going to do. Um, or at least the process that I do, uh, to sell stuff. And then this part for shipping, uh, you know, I've dealt with a few like returns and stuff. Um, so I can certainly do like an episode about the troubles with eBay. I know I said that earlier. Um, and that can be part of it is, is dealing with like returns and, and, you know, buyers that, that are not great, um, because this is essentially customer service at that point. So you do have to deal with people in that sense. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have a whole lot else to talk about in this episode. So I think I am, uh, I think I'm going to kind of get towards the end here, but, um, but yeah, I just wanted to share with you guys what I do, um, and just how I do it. I know I'm still learning every single day, so things change all the time. Um, but I just think this is a really, really good idea. If you're looking for extra money, um, there's tons of opportunity out there. You can go to stores, you can buy stuff and resell, uh, and, and make some extra cash. I mean, you know, if you're planning on doing it as a side hustle, I can't promise that you're going to make a ton of money compared to maybe some other ventures that you can do, or even maybe even some other side hustles. But this one doesn't require a whole lot of, of, uh, of money up front. Um, it just requires you to put in a lot of hard work and time, uh, to get stuff sold. And, and I mean, once you get the ball rolling, stuff sells pretty quickly. So, uh, I think this is, you know, maybe a good idea. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully this provided some value to people. I don't know if people are that are listening are already flipping. So maybe this is just a, an, a look into what I do. Um, but maybe you're not. And maybe this is inspiring to, to help you get out there and try it. So um, yeah, I'm going to get right into the outro here. Um, so we will see you there. Thank you so much for listening to this two-part uh, episode or two episodes um, in kind of one subject uh, about how I resell items for my phone. I think it's uh, I think it's really really fun, and and I hope that you guys get some sort of value from from this episode.